The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to those expressing them and do not necessarily reflect the OSA Foundation Incorporated or any other group or individual. This podcast may contain dialogue or subject material that could be considered for mature audiences only. All aspects of how you play the game and the OSIP Foundation Incorporated are protected by copyright and other state and federal intellectual property laws. Unauthorized use without the express written consent of the OSIP Foundation Incorporated is strictly prohibited. If you're interested in sponsoring how you play the game, please email us at podcast at osipfoundation.org. Your sponsorship may be tax deductible. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How You Play the Game, the official podcast of the OSA Foundation Incorporated. Yours truly, Jack Furlong, with you as we talk to you about what's going on as far as the world of sportsmanship is concerned. This is the second episode of the month of July. The year is 2022. Glad you can be with us. As always, you can check us out online at osafoundation.org. On uh, our, our uh, email address is podcast at osafoundation.org if you'd like to contact the show. On social media, we're at facebook.com slash osafoundation. Twitter and Instagram are both at osafoundation with the hashtag how you play the game. You can view select episodes of our show on YouTube. Uh, you can check out our apparel store at Bonfire. And our book on sportsmanship is available now on Amazon. Uh, My partner in crime, the producer-engineer, Mr. Sean Ryan, is under the weather. We certainly wish him well to get better soon, and I have no doubt that he will be back with us for the next episode, but I'll be flying solo today just to uh, give him the chance to, I don't know, work on breathing, for example. Um, You know, the good news is that when Sean's not around, uh, these episodes get a little uh, quicker, you know, a little shorter, and uh, we can all get on with our real life. But um, when I'm by myself... Uh, they get a bit more reflective, a bit more serious. And um, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I know that people enjoy the banter and the, f- and the fun that goes along with our serious discussion. And uh, I apologize if uh, you know I, I don't bring that enough uh, when I'm by myself talking to a microphone and a computer rather than talking with somebody. Um, but I wanted to talk today a little bit about... Um, some experiences and some feelings that have resulted as those experiences. Uh, And they kind of center around the idea of sportsmanship and money. Uh, Perhaps maybe better thought of as sportsmanship and capitalism. Um, Maybe on another side, it's sportsmanship and greed. Um, You know, you can really dissect this a couple of different ways. Excuse me. And um, it's up to you to figure out how you want to categorize this. Uh, I think that the messages are all still kind of the same, uh, no matter what label you use. But I wanted to address this as it's kind of fresh in my mind, and I thought it would be uh, helpful to, to kind of talk through it. Uh, it may sound a bit more like a sermon, uh, but I, it, it's still a healthy discussion to be had. Um, You know, there have been times in my life where money has been very divisive uh, within my relationships. And I think we can all relate to that to a certain degree. You know, we, we, we all have situations with other human beings regardless of their relationship to us, whether it's a spouse, a parent, a child, a relative, a friend. 
a business partner, uh, a client, a customer, doesn't matter. Uh, where money can really affect the relationship. And it's a, it's a very, very strange thing because we view money very differently from person to person uh, in humanity. Uh, and, and to a certain degree, how, how I might view money is going to be different from how any other person might view money, and that's okay. You know, it's, it's, it's an intangible thing there when it comes to that. You know, the, the, there's that old saying that, you know, money is evil and, you know, or money is the root of all evil and all that stuff. If you, if you study um, modern interpretations of things such as scripture, philosophy, etc., you know, one uh, point of, of contention is that it's not money uh, that is evil. It is the love of money that is evil. Money itself is, you know, a just just a tangible uh, item in which we put value to help us determine uh, the cost of doing business, the cost of goods and services. You know, um, it, it it essentially helps to replace the barter system. Um, and it, it helps to drive uh, a, a, a healthy economy, and that's why it has become such a, a a massive social science in trying to understand economics and finance and everything under the sun. Um, so in itself, it's not necessarily bad. It's the way that we have a relationship with it that can be troublesome and can and can drive us to uh, exhibiting signs of poor sportsmanship. You know, when and when you when you break down sportsmanship as we normally do, it's about following the golden rule. It's about treating others the way that you would wish to be treated. Um, it's kind of like just do the right thing. You know what I mean? Uh, and so when you mix those two, you get a very very interesting dynamic, because on one hand you want to do the right thing, which may be to share the money, uh, and on the other hand. You know, to to love others, you must love yourself first, and that means to uh, give yourself money. You know, there's a, that that's actually a very interesting uh, debate that occurs sometimes within, um, for example, the Christian faith. Uh, you know, where we talk about uh, giving alms and um, giving of ourselves and emptying our vessels and whatnot. Uh, you know, there, there the debate that is had is, can we truly love others without first loving ourselves you know the, the the practical application of that is if I were to sell all of my belongings and give it to the poor am I truly being a good person am I truly following the teachings of Jesus for example and I'm using I'm using religion and spirituality here uh, just as a template okay I'm not trying to to preach, uh, anything beyond that, I'm simply trying to use it for historical uh, and discussion context. Uh, so please don't read into that. But you know, if you if you look at uh, some of those those teachings, you know that's that's the debate that is had: is am I truly being Christ-like if I do that? And on one hand, the literal interpretation of of the of that doctrine is yes, you are, because that's essentially 
uh, you break it down and you strip it of all of its extraneous nonsense, that's that's what you should be doing. You should be emptying your vessels and giving it to another person. But the, the, the more modern way of looking at it is to look at um, things in terms of loving yourself in an equal way of loving other people. And to love yourself, the, the, the argument in this context is to make sure that you have uh, self-worth. You have the ability to put value and appreciation on your human life and your ability to maintain it and to, and to love yourself, which means to uh, earn a fair wage and to properly use the money that you earn to provide yourself with food, clothing, and shelter, for example. Um, you know, we, we as human beings, uh, you know, are, are entitled to, in my opinion, I think we are entitled to loving ourselves. You know, that's kind of the, the, the American value of, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, we, we, we are here with the opportunity to love ourselves and to, to, you know, earn a fair wage, uh, and to make sure that, you know, we can provide for ourselves, you know, according to modern standards, so that we all have a roof over our heads, uh, and so that we all have, you know, clothing on our back, and and we we are able to eat uh, the necessary meals for sustenance. Um, so it's a very interesting uh, debate to be had with that, because we're you know it, I think that could be foreign to some people. It's if you take it an, another step, some of the ways that I have described it to other people is to say, well, look at your surplus. You know, look at what you need to provide for yourself and for your family and for your loved ones and put that aside and then look at what surplus you have from there. And what do you need to do with that money? You know, and sometimes when you look at that surplus, there are things that come into into your mind like, um, well, I have kids and I need to put some of this money away for uh, college, for example. Again, these are these are exceptionally important things to consider. And in a way, you are loving another person by doing that. You know, you are taking your surplus and saying, well, rather than spending it on myself on, on whatever, I, I realize that I have a responsibility to my family and, and I would like to provide that for them. Okay, we, again, we can, we can kind of go on and on with this kind of stuff for a very long time um, and, 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 and view it that, you know, in, in all these different, through these different lenses and whatnot. And I'm sure we would find uh, a number of different um, situations and, and, and cases where we can, we can have these healthy debates and, and discuss what it means uh, to, to, to uh, love ourselves, love others, and utilize uh, the financial blessings that we get. Um, but from there, there are always going to be situations that are not really in a textbook. You know, they're not really regular situations. They are things that kind of just come up out of nowhere, and we have to, we have to think about what the right thing to do would be. Um, you know, and, and it always makes me think of uh, an old I Love Lucy episode uh, called Never Do Business with Friends. Um, and if I remember the premise of the episode correctly, um, 
Lucy wants a new uh, washer and dryer, etc. And um, the idea was that uh, she, you know Ethel, her friend, wanted wanted to uh, take the old washer off of Lucy's hands once she acquired the new the new model. Um, and Ricky stepped in and said, you know, my father never always told me never do business with friends because what goes wrong, blah 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 blah, and all that stuff. And sure enough, what happens in the episode is something goes wrong. You know, the, the, the washing machine that was broken down uh, that the Ricardos owned is, has now been sold to the Mertzes, Fred and Ethel. And uh, sure enough, it, it, it breaks down again and uh, there's a big problem. And then there's a, there's a whole thing about money and uh, who's responsible for what and whatnot. And it just, it just gets into being a, a big hubba baloo that, that's really, really... Um, sad and awkward, but it demonstrates, uh, you know, a, a very real situation that I think we all face in that, you know, money can really destroy relationships um, because we all view it differently. And we can all view it differently for different reasons, too. You know, there are a lot of things that happen in our lives that shape us. Fear, past experiences, you know, worry, doubt, anxiety, all of these things can can create this, this, this subconscious tangled web that says, I need to hold on to this money in case something bad happens. And there are a lot of different financial experts that say, uh, well, you need to have this amount of money always in reserve in the event something bad happens. And, you know, sometimes we blindly listen to them without considering the real world application of where we are at the moment. You know, um, it's you know we, we we kind of always look through that lens of everything's great right now, but I have to prepare for the absolute worst, and that doesn't really take into consideration where we are in the moment of well, maybe not everything is great right now, and maybe the absolute worst won't happen. You know, there's a fluidity there that we have to consider. Um, and it's 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 just weird, I think. It's weird to, to see how, for example, I view money and to compare that to the way that other people in my life view money. You know, and I don't I don't want to throw people under the bus, but I will say that within the past year there have been so many situations in my life that I can recall where money has been that wild card that really determines who people are. Um, and in a sense, that, that determines sportsmanship in a way. Um, if you... If you... If you Look at, 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 at sportsmanship from that, let's just say that Christian angle, since we're kind of going down that road right now. You know, there are, there are a lot of different uh, ideas that say that, you know, you look at you look what's in the person's heart and how they display themselves, how they act in those moments of, of competition and stress and conflict, for example, 
it can really demonstrate what is in their heart. You know, um, I think of situations where I can apply that, and I think to myself, you know, off the field, someone can be a very nice, pleasant person, but then on the field, in the heat of competition, they they become a different person, where they they have to fight for everything, and they they're always creating conflicts and so on and so forth. And to me, what that says is, I know what's in your heart. You put on a good show outside of this. But what's in your heart can really be seen in these moments where your subconscious takes over. And to me, that that makes a difference. I can tell what is in the heart of people because of that. It's, it's painful sometimes because it truly, it truly shows who people are. Um, and, it, and it makes it difficult to, to maintain those relationships. And you try and have empathy. You try and, and say, okay, well, you know, this person may have had a different experience. You know, um, for whatever reason, you know, like I, I think of an average baseball coach, for example, who in this situation where, the, you know, you step between the, the, the white lines and all of a sudden they're, they're an absolute jerk. And, you know, my initial surf, you know, sur- superficial reaction is this person is a jerk. Um, I can see what's in their heart because in these moments I see how they act and that's not cool. And I don't want to be a part of that. And then later you start to think, you know, maybe they don't know any better. Maybe they've had past experiences that have caused this. And perhaps that's what's really going on here. Which leads to the next question of, do I have the ability in those heated moments where the subconscious and the instinct takes over to remember that and to work on a different level as the as the other person sometimes you do and sometimes you don't you know it's it can be really really weird um you know i i'll 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 relay this story i probably have relayed this story before and so this this year i was working my second regular season varsity game for a high school for high school here in new jersey and in the first inning, uh, I was behind the plate. Uh, it was the top of the first inning. And I think there were a couple runners on. And a batter checked his swing. And I called the pitch a ball. And I couldn't see the swing. Uh, so I went to my partner for help, as we do on check swing appeals. And he affirmed no swing. And the coach for the home team was all over me. That I should I should see that I need to I need to call that your partner can't help you there you have to make that call etc. And immediately I started catastrophizing it. That's unfortunately what I do. That's one of the things uh, on which I must improve. And I start thinking, man, am I really that bad of an umpire? Am I really you know am I going to make another bad call? When am I going to I'm going to miss another call, aren't I? And then I'm going to get yelled at more, etc. So, 
he keeps he keeps kind of chirping about this a little bit. And then the batter who's up, I think, gets on base. And the, the, the coach calls time. And he goes out to the mound for a conference. And as he's walking off the mound, he turns right back to me and starts arguing with me about that check swing again. So I decide at that moment I'm going to restrict him to the bench, which is a disciplinary move that we have in high school baseball here in the United States. It is you know, a step before an ejection. It is the equivalent of the first technical foul instead of the second technical foul in basketball. And what you are essentially doing is you are disciplining the coach by saying your behavior is unacceptable, um, but and, you, you, and as a result, you are going to be restricted to remain in this bench area and you cannot come out except to tend to an injured player. Um, but it does not mean that you were rejected or disqualified. There is no further paperwork. There's no further penalty. So I restrict the coach. And he comes at me and he goes, man, you've got a real quick trigger finger there with that. And I, and I at that point decided in that moment to be open and honest and vulnerable and to say what was in my heart. And I said, you know what? I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. And if I missed that call, I'm sorry. Then I made a mistake. I'm going to, I missed it. And I'm sure I'm going to miss more in the future. That being said, even though I'm human and I may have made a mistake, it is the first inning. I'm not having this kind of behavior. I will not be treated like this when I'm trying to make calls, when I'm trying to do my job. Essentially, what I was saying, you know, was... You made your point. I understand. And if you want to die on this hill, be my guest. We're not. I'm not having it. And he kept his mouth shut for the rest of the game. And I actually ended up seeing him later in the summer when he was coaching uh, his, his son's eight-year-old team. And he was very respectful. You know, and he had, he actually apologized to me after that particular game. He said, "I'm sorry, I get like that sometimes." And you know, in in my in the in in my true mind, what I wanted to say was, "You shouldn't act like that in the first place." You're a high school coach. Your job is to set a good example for these children. They may be 18, 15 to eighteen years old. They're still children. Now, of course, I said something like, "Hey, let's just drown our sorrows later at the bar," but that's a different story. The, the reason I'm saying that is because you can see what's in this coach's heart. And maybe I made a difference by, by disciplining him, which is something I didn't want to do. But, you know, I, 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 I reflect on that now and I know what is in his heart. And it makes me think about whether or not I want to continue to work games where this coach is involved. And perhaps if I go into next season, I'll think, okay, I could work this game, but he's on thin ice. And if he's going to chirp at me, I'm going to say, no, I'm not, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And I will set a boundary. So let's, let's turn back to our talk on sportsmanship and money for a second. 
Think about times when you have dealt with different people in your life over, you know, with, with regard to money. Think about the relationship that you have with that person and think about how it went down. Can you see what's in that person's heart? Can you see whether or not that person values money differently than you do? Perhaps you can look in your own heart and question your own view of money. In essence, it starts by looking within ourselves and saying, what is my view on money, on my time, on my talents, on my treasures, on my blessings? And what am I willing to sacrifice when push comes to shove? What am I willing to, 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 to leave behind if I am asked to do so? What am I willing to give up? And that's when we can truly start to see what's in someone's heart. Now, in terms of money, I would, I would recommend fairness in all aspects, which is part of sportsmanship. Doing the right thing is very important. But I would also recommend looking at the surplus. I would recommend compromise, negotiation. Consider the feelings of somebody else. Consider, do I, is my life going to alter that significantly if I part with this money? Am I going to be treating myself less than fair because of that? There's, you know, if, if you look at, like, consider, for example, a winning lottery ticket. And consider what what happens when someone wins such a large jackpot. First of all, that jackpot may be a billion dollars. Before anything happens, taxes have to come out. Pretty nuts, right? You, the headline might say that you won a billion dollars. You did not win a billion dollars. The government's going to take their piece of the pie, okay? So once they take that, then you have to start saying, well, do I want it all in one lump sum, which would give me less? Or am I going to take this money over time and I'll get more money overall, but I won't be able to access it all at once? These are the things that we must consider. Take that thought, that, that conflict, that, that template of thought about how we view money and, and transpose it to our own situations in money. Now, sure, granted, depending upon the, amount, the, the sum of money that we, that we might earn in that lottery example, there are plenty of people who might say, oh, you could take the large sum because you can clearly live off of 
you know, that that large amount of money. Yeah, that may be true. That may be true. But taking it in smaller smaller amounts over a longer period of time gets you more money. Consider where you are financially. If you do, you, you know, if you take the the smaller amounts of money over a longer period of time that nets you a larger amount, you know, in the long run, are you able to pay your bills? Are you able to help the people who need help? And the answer is probably yes. I mean, there's a, we, we poke fun at this a lot in society. What's the right thing to do there? If I can offer a piece of advice in terms of sportsmanship and money, I would offer this. If you truly care about treating others the way that you would wish to be treated, if you truly care about good sportsmanship, if you truly care about doing the right thing and making sure that what is in your heart is correct, take a step outside yourself for for a moment and think about realistically what you need that day what is your daily bread what do you need to survive that day and responsibly what do you need to survive the next few days and 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 extrapolate from there and then start to think what do i not need now you may not automatically find a cause where I need to give this away and that's fine and let me state this for the record what I am not saying is that it is inherent upon us to give our money away that we don't need what I would rather say is it is up to the individual you as an individual to determine what is necessary that's the beauty of our country. That's the beauty of our laws is that the individual has so much power in those decisions. So I'm not trying to advocate that we need government policy to determine what we do with our money. That's not anywhere near this. What I'm trying to say is that you as an individual have the power to practice good sportsmanship with your own money without the government or another entity telling you what to do look around you there's there there are there are certainly things in your life where a little cash can help another person can help a cause and to give that fairly without strings attached that's another important part here is that we attach we attach strings to so much. Now granted, sometimes we have to attach strings because that's how things work economically, okay? If you get a mortgage or a loan or anything from a bank, the terms are such that we will give you this money now if you pay it back to us over X amount of time with interest. 
that's economically how these banks make money. That's something that helps our economy function. We can't really get rid of that. It would be nice to get rid of it, but we really can't do that. That's, that's, a, that's an essential function of our, of our economy. But think about it personally. If you loan money out to somebody, are you going to say, well, listen, I need you to give it back to me by this date and I need extra? Are you going to give of yourself and expect something in return? You know, it's funny. I hear the stories every now and then. Of I, I've heard the story a number of times when it comes to things like weddings where the bride wants things to be a certain way and then, for example, the mother-in-law or the future mother-in-law is trying to get things another way but that future mother-in-law isn't paying for anything. And so the bride says... You don't get to make these decisions. You don't have any financial stake in this. You know, it's something it's kind of like that. Give of yourself properly. Without expectations. Be fair. Understand your worth and the worth of other people. But remember that how you act in terms of money can, can show what's really in your heart. Are you a good sport or not? The way that you perceive money, especially in your closer relationships, can truly show what is in your heart. And if you care about good sportsmanship, my advice would be to say, always examine this through the lens of treating others the way that you would wish to be treated. It works. It really does. Well, I thank you for taking the time to be with me as I kind of ramble on for a half hour here. I'm sorry if it didn't make any sense. I'm sorry if it kind of went off in different places. Um, but I but I appreciate uh, you indulging me, and I welcome your feedback. I welcome the conversation to continue. So, as always, please remember that you can check us out at osipfoundation.org. I would love to hear from you via email. Email me and the show at podcast at osipfoundation.org. You can also keep the conversation going on social media. Visit uh, facebook.com slash osipfoundation. Twitter and Instagram at OSA Foundation with the hashtag how you play the game. Remember that you can listen to select episodes on YouTube. You can check out our apparel store on Bonfire and our book is available on Amazon. I hope to uh, have Sean back on the next episode. I'm sure he'll be doing much better at that point. So we look forward to speaking with you then. Again, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to me ramble on. And until we speak again, please treat each other with respect. How You Play the Game is a production of the OSIP Foundation, Incorporated. The producer-engineer of this episode is Sean Ryan. Music by SoundSpring Studio. 
The executive producer of How You Play the Game is Jack Furlong. For more information, visit osafoundation.org.